This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast, Rog. I needed this, David. You did. You got a lot you got a lot in your chest. After the week that was. And I'm not talking about Jerry D leaving Everton. Yeah, Everton won this weekend. They did, David. They did. We will talk about that. But we've got to talk about... We are living in a Dickensian world, mate, right now. The best of times. The worst of times. The age of wisdom. It's the age of foolishness. The epoch of belief. The epoch of... Word I can't quite pronounce. Incredulity. Incredulity. Yeah. Incredulity. Alternative facts, Rog. Yeah. And you know what? I know. That's, that I would love be, that, I know. Well, look, we, we, we spout a lot of them on this podcast. <laughs> alternative facts. There is no truth in football. We do say that. They're like the pie of facts. I love pie. <laughs> and I love alternative facts. I love living in this alternative Wait a Let me world. just break that down a bit. Yeah. Are alternative facts the pie of facts? No, pies predict wrong. the future. You prove me wrong. They're facts that have not yet been realised. What I'd like to say is, in a statement, without taking any questions, yeah. that's the Sean Spicer approach to football. Or not revealing your political loyalties. I don't have any. Don't, <laughs> this is apolitical. This is our, not our other podcast, Keeping It 1700. Yeah. Um, I, my Sean Spicer approach to football. Yeah. Uh, I, I spent the weekend watching defending Premier League champions Everton yeah. destroy Crystal Palace. It's a long-standing ovation. It's a big win. <laughs> okay. I also want to say, while I'm making this statement, Jurgen Klinsmann, yeah. I just want to say, I still love the way that your plucky US team shocked the world by beating the vaunted Belgians at the 2014 <laughs> World Cup. Yeah, and then going that, on to win the whole thing. Thanks to that late, great goal by heroic super sub Chris Wondolowski. He never misses, he never David. Misses. Never he misses. He never misses. No, not in a big game. Or even more, third part of the statement. Yeah. We've got beautiful heads of hair, haven't oh, we? Oh, my God. Haven't we? Yours is... Let me run my... Oh, it's I'm beautiful. So, I, do not, I feel so sorry so for So many follicles. When I, when, I, when I meet a bald, Roger, and realise they've lost their hair, I don't yeah. know how they were so careless. It's low IQ, mate. It's low, low. testosterone, low sex drive. Yeah. 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 <sighs> People not smart enough to even enjoy or make up alternative facts. <laughs> That's what it is, Roger, to bring it full circle. They're just called facts, mate. Yeah. By the way... I do think it's fascinating that we're living in a world in which George Orwell's 1984 is currently the number five book on Amazon. Yeah. Uplifting. If we are living out 1984 for realties, it's great news for one constituency of voters, Liverpool fans. Yeah. They won their 15th title in 1984. Yeah. By three points from Southampton. They won the European Cup. They won the Champions League equivalent in those days. Yeah. Just I don't think we are living out 1984. People. 1984 was very well run, Rod. <laughs> it, was a, it was a smooth, efficient operation. I don't think this is anything like 1984. <sighs> I don't want I think to this is more like the Benny Hill show. It is. Oh, with I extreme love the right wing politics. <laughs> <laughs> if those two were combined. If, if they we were, weren't if already. We, if we were bald, we'd get slapped yeah. on the head. Yeah. A lot by random strangers. I don't want no. to talk about politics because I don't want to alienate our favourite state senator from Tennessee, Steve yeah. Dickerson. Uh, is he pro-Trump or not? Uh, I don't know, but in ki- all right I know is, let us hello, know. District 20. Make us feel better. I do know, I think he loves Van Halen. That's the only thing I know about him yeah. from reading his uh, biography. And he tweeted this week, he said, yeah. my relation with men in blazers is like that of a kitten watching ping pong. I'm fascinated, even though I don't fully understand the narrative, which is exactly the same as me, to be candid. Um, Anyway, enough with the politics, because I'm yeah. trying to be so positive, Dave. I'm, like you, I'm trying to take a leaf out of your book, 
positivity. Watch, watch Hacksaw Ridge, Rog. That will make you feel better about life. What's Hacksaw Ridge? Fantastic film, nominated for Best Picture today. Mel Gibson directed it. I know you may have mixed feelings about that. Cossacks are always coming. It's about this amazing man, Desmond Doss, won, I think, the highest military honour as a conscientious objector in the Second World War, victory over Japan. He was a medic. He saved so many lives. It's a beautiful, oh. beautiful, beautiful film. Watch it. I bawled my eyes out, blindside style, watching that on my sofa last oh, night. It got a, a four-hanky rating from it. It did. Four-hanky rating. Oh. Yeah, bawled my eyes out. Beautiful, oh, beautiful You know, film. Mel Gibson. Yeah. I probably have him in the category of not my favourite film director. Is he on your list? He's on my list. He is. But... I'm taking a new approach to life, David. Yeah. Trying to be positive, take a leaf out of your book. And, and here's the approach I'm going to take to Mel Gibson from now on, David. Because yeah. there's a new story that's happened last week, which I'm just trying to hold on to. It's like yeah. a little, a tiny bit of flotsam and jetsam uh, that's floating on the ocean uh, waves when I need it. And I'm reaching out. It's going to help me uh, swim to survival. Can you read this new story for me, David? Popular neo-Nazi blogger resigns when news breaks that his wife is Jewish. <laughs> Mike Enoch, it's a great name, by the way, for a neo-Nazi, Enoch. I think it's, a, I think it's a, he chose that as his nom de plume. Oh, yeah, yeah. after Enoch Powell, yeah. the great British conservative, po- the, well, conservative nationalist. Gr- and when we say great... Potential fascist. <laughs> co-host of the Daily Shower weekly <laughs> podcast, which has That's about... A pun. 100,000 regular listeners. Twice as big as us. Three who, times as big as us. Much bigger. Who listened to talk about killing Jews and other neo-Nazi incentives has resigned over the revelation that his wife is actually Jewish. <laughs> wow. <sighs> A few stories have made me feel more hopeful about the future yeah. than that one, Dave. I'm frankly clinging on to it. Yeah. It's so goddamn romantic. What, his honour in resigning? Um, no, that he's, you know, full of hate and then he yeah. realises... I'm married to the thing I hate, and I love it. It's beautiful, David. Talking about great, less than great. Yeah. Men in Blazers show's back. Oh, dear. Sorry, mate. When? February the 1st. Well, I don't think I'm available. 6 p.m. next Wednesday. Six. Six. The number of the devil. Oh, I'm meant to be in Houston for the Super Bowl. The show America doesn't want, that no one is crying out for, is back, David. Yeah, who are you going to do it with? It's going to be awful. I think Carly Lloyd, mate. <laughs> okay, very good. That'll Carly be a good Lloyd, show. she's coming yeah. into chat. We're also going to yeah. have uh, Carly come in on Thursday to uh-huh. tape a full-length pod. Just your normal Blonde or Thursday there, down at Men and Blazers World Headquarters, David. Producer J-Dubs, we better check the range on Davo's chopper to see if I can get back for that pod. Oh, just take Sorry, a TV show, not even a pod. Yeah, I think if you take off the missile launchers off the front, you'll find yeah. you increase your range. Yeah, uh, but then how am I going to get Piers Morgan? <laughs> <laughs> if he happens to be down in Houston I think you and McGregor will take care of that Okay, mate. very, very good Okay, Rog, we've got a packed show We're going to break down a thrilling 2-2 draw Between Manchester City and Spurs That promises to feature prominently On the scriptwriter's Emmy submission reel We, or rather I Welcome Diego Costa back into the Chelsea team And onto the score sheet in the Blues 2-0 win over Hull And we recap a slew of results That prove that there are no easy Premier League games Except for Sunderland at home. It was a dark week, Dave, unless you're a Chelsea fan. Tough results for Spurs, City, Liverpool and United. But and for Palace. me, the darkest star, Dave, mm. referee Mike Dean, demoted to the championship this weekend after mm. several erratic performances. Yeah, and didn't he give a somewhat erratic performance in the game that he well, refereed could, right s- after getting demoted? Some would say erratic, other <laughs> people would say consistent. <laughs> yeah. He awarded a penalty for a handball outside the penalty area. Ooh. So we open our Guinness and yeah. we say to you, 
Never change, Mike Dean. Never change. He just, he just enjoys alternative facts. He has an alternative penalty area in his mind when he's giving away handballs. Very, very difficult to do. Um, okay, Rog, you've cracked open the Guinness. You poured it into your glass. Cheers, mate. To, to the Mike football. Dean and all who's sailing. <laughs> okay, we are 22 38 of the way through this Premier League season. That reduces Rog to 11 19th. It was a weekend of football befitting a Daryl Dawkins esque moniker. The Conte flying, Klopp crying, Pep shaking, Rooney record breaking, Arsene roasting, John Moss toasting, Big Sam Premier League, I am Jam. Double D. Oh, fantastic. Did that just right off the top of my head. Uh, we kick right off with Manchester City 2, Tottenham 2. What a game, Roger. A tinderbox of a game. Set alight by two uncharacteristic mistakes from Spurs keeper Hugo Lloris. Yet Spurs were able to gut out a draw thanks to a Delhi header and a Sun strike. The latter happening mere seconds after City were denied what looked like a clear penalty, Rog, for a Kyle Walker shove on Raz. That drove me crazy. The scrutiny on poor Pep continues. The point keeps his City in fifth place. Spurs slipped to third, nine points off of Chelsea. <sighs> what a fascinating chess match this was David because yeah. after the humiliation of being smashed 4 nothing by Everton yeah. beautiful Everton one of four defeats in his last eight games Pep Guardiola did two very curious things ahead of this game that yeah. felt like the most symbolic of his short Manchester City career mm. first midweek he took his team out for some programme light-hearted fun together uh-huh. and they went as a squad to the movies. Yeah. And he didn't take them to see Mighty Ducks or Cool Runnings, obvious choices yeah, for a bloke say? who wants plucky underdogs to overachieve. I hope it wasn't Hacksaw Ridge. <sighs> nah, he took them to La La Land, mate. Really? Yeah, what do you think of that choice? Uh, I think it's a great film. I can't really see Raz and Zabs and Fernandinho getting a lot out of that film. Yeah, spare, <laughs> frankly. A, spare a thought for poor Nicholas Otamendi, though. Yeah. You think about how desperately he craved to see monster trucks. Yeah. Can we go and see monster trucks, Gaffer? Yeah. Oh, but Pep, when you think about it, he I'm is... trying to think of a single player on that City team who really would have enjoyed that. See, I think Joe Hart would have, would have liked done. it. Would have loved it. I know. Would have loved Bravo, it. Bravo, I'm not sure. Nah, the footwork wasn't good enough for his yeah, liking. Exactly. But Pep, such a Sebastian when you think about it, just committed steadfastly to his ideals of pure jazz, yeah. not willing to adapt to evolving realities. But the second thing he did, David... Clichy might have liked it. He gave it a two-hanky review, strangely really? enough. Yeah. yeah. But ahead of the game, Dave, yeah. the second thing Pep did that was fascinating is defensively struggling side. They're about to face Spurs, one of the most punishing pressers in the league. And what does he do? What does he do counterintuitively? He lifts his defensive shields. He plays Yaya alone in the defensive midfield role. And he just says, we are going to all-out attack, hoping that City's balding defence won't be exposed if the game's played in Spurs half. Kirk does that in one of the Star Trek movies, by the way. Yeah, bring he it on. He takes off his shields yeah. and he just says, put, put all the power towards the phasers. Yeah, but... but to Kirk, lift the shields. But that made sense for Kirk. Against he, the Klingons. Yeah. Sometimes that's what you had to do. You don't do it against Tottenham. But the Klingons, they don't press like Spurs, <laughs> mate. They don't overwhelm or come as yeah. like Spurs. They yeah. don't bruise you. It yeah. is a... Brilliant, counterintuitive, courageous, high-risk tactical gambit that he took. And it worked. Yeah, it worked. Although there were other reasons it worked, Rog. Anyway, carry on with your theory. No, I mean, City, it worked because City had so many players who suddenly clicked to life. KDB, mm. who struggled, Aguero, Sané, David Silva, Raz. 
to steal one of Mike Myers' phrases, City had so many guns. Yeah. They forced Spurs to shift to a back four to shore up the back line. Chances kept coming. Fortunately, they kept coming to the spike gun that is Zabaleta. Mm. Shades of the Everton game, the early narrative. City, opportunity after opportunity, they couldn't take until Leroy Sané, David. Really, the pick of City threats. Charging in and caught by a beautiful pass. Delicious pass from KDB. Beautiful ball drops right on the edge of the area, outside the area. You've got Lloris. Should I stay? Should I go? What happens? He comes. He heads the ball. Most he goalkeepers wouldn't. He heads the ball because, you know, he realises Mike Dean isn't refereeing. <laughs> and uh, he heads the ball and immediately it, it sort of deflects against Sané's hand, Rog, but I don't think it was a handball. And uh, there it is, Sané knocks it in. Horrible mistake from a goalkeeper who we haven't seen make a mistake in a very long time. Yeah, I mean, I spoke to Loris recently for a Spurs documentary, which yeah. is going to wear, I think, February 8-ish. Uh-huh. And he talks about himself as one of the most aggressive goalkeepers in the league he talks about himself as being Spurs first line of attack and here that approach just came to haunt him he just hurtled out of the area to head the ball out of harm's way it was really the kind of goalkeeping howler that you think Claudio Bravo normally aspires to but within five minutes 41 seconds it was 2-0 another Loris faux pas yeah Raz cross yeah from a Raz cross Rog uh Loris went to get the ball just didn't hold it uh it ground, goes ground loose. caused the fumble. Yeah, ground caused the fumble and uh, in nips KDB, Rod. Yeah, a man who really needed a goal. Yeah. Tapped it in wide-eyed. Poor Lloris, one of the few human beings who on this weekend performed worse than Madonna. Mm. City strikers must have felt like they were playing against Claudio Bravo in training, Dave, of all of these cock-ups. I made a film about goalkeepers last year. Tim Howard actually talked about how Manuel Neuer had just changed goalkeeping for everyone and how it pissed him off. He said it, you know, with humour, but it was, there was truth in it. He said, before Manuel Neuer, goalkeepers were expected to play with their hands. Manuel Neuer changed that, but he said there's only one Manuel Neuer who can really do it at just a peak, excellent, consistent level. And that old-fashioned goalkeeper who can just reliably use his hands, now overrated, that came back to haunt Spurs uh, at the beginning of this game. But they belatedly realise that to score against City, you just have to put the ball on goal. Because Claudio Bravo, Davo, he don't do saves. You know what, Claudio Bravo at this point, he looks like one of those sort of under-11 goalkeepers who is trying to pretend that he's attempting to save the ball, but really is not trying to attempt to save the ball whatsoever. He's just diving oh, yes. because he understands that that's what goalkeepers are meant yeah, to do. Yeah, towards the end of my rugby career, yeah. I, when I played fullback, yeah. I mastered the art of like looking like I was trying to make a last-second saving yeah. Yeah, tackle, but dive the rugby, other way. Dive for those the who other don't way. watch rugby, the fullback in rugby is the last line of defence. It's more like a safety, really. Yep. It's the last line of defence. Yep. You've got to make that final tackle. No one was better <laughs> in rugby and making a heroic last-ditch tackle that went the wrong with the opposite. I always look like I've been faked out, completely faked out my shoes. I've seen that dive that you do. I've seen it when you played in golf. Oh, it's called uh, it's called yeah. Jewish rugby. <laughs> oh. That's amazing. I mean, not saying that he's at fault for the first goal uh, or even the second goal, but he just he just doesn't really make a lot of saves, Rog. Yeah, Deli Alley, bony English forehead, nodded home ninth in his last ten games. What oh. a cross that was, Rog. I mean, these Tottenham Carl Walker are so amazing. Oh, City brittling confidence, desperately trying to find that third goal to kill off the game. And they should have got it, Dave. Raz, clean through. Yeah, Raz, clean through. Carl Walker after that amazing cross. Carl Walker just pushes him in the back. Put plain and simple pushes well, he, him in the back. He was covering. If, he was behind him. For a second, if you look at it in slow motion, it looks like Carl Walker thinks, maybe I should just eat little Sterling. Yeah. But then his hand comes out. 
And he settles on just shoving him. Kind of moves straight no, for I the playgrounds of your th- youth. I think there were three thoughts. One, is Raz actually going to score here? Because you've got to face it. It's only it's one-on-one with the goalkeeper. It's Raz. That's got to be like 30-70. Might, it's not like the odds still, but it's still 30-70. Okay, if I don't want the 30-70, what do I do? One, eat him. Yeah. Or two, Scooby snack. give him a bit of a push. And, but push him. But the unbelievable thing about the push is Raz didn't go down. It just is, I would say, 99.9% of Premier League footballers go down in that situation. Yeah, and we shouted at them for doing that. Yeah, we shouted at them for doing it. But it's, and refs get very upset with the simulation. The Football Association, the Premier League, everybody gets upset with simulation. Commentators get upset with simulation. But honestly, if a single referee will call a penalty in the Premier League when there is contact, but the player doesn't go down, it will end. That was a foul, clean and simple. It would have been a foul anywhere else on the pitch. It's certainly a foul in the penalty area. And don't want this from yeah. a Spurs POV. We should say Walker's skullduggery. Yeah. For years, Spurs have been seen as being too nice, too soft, yeah. having a weak underbelly. And that push, dark arts, mm. that push will have thrilled Pochettino. Yeah who only this week did an interview with the Argentinian newspaper La Nación, yeah. in which he said, El fútbol es sorpresa y picaresca creativa. Yeah. Which means football is surprise and creative roguery. You would have loved it, Dave. We absolutely would have loved it. Yeah, well, any Chelsea fan who saw the game against Spurs last season uh, would know that Spurs are masters of dark arts as well. And by the way, and I respect them for it. All Raz did was just kind of stumble and flick the ball into a grateful Lloris and his relieved arms on that sideline. Oh, did you feel for Pep or what? Because he was so incandescent. He punched the air. A little snot look fell from his pristine Catalan nose. It's why people go bald, really, Davo. Yeah, to be that's candid. the reason. That's the reason. And he had every right to be mad. It should have been a penalty. Yeah. Instead, within 67 seconds, what does Spurs do? Oh, they go up the other end and they score a second, Rog. Oh, Ericsson dumping in that ball to Harry Kane. Back to goal. That no-look flick that he executed to set up Son. Oh, it was exquisite, and the Koreans swept the ball home. Claudio Bravo has now conceded from each of the last six shots on target that he's faced. I, I just don't understand why Pep keeps playing a goalkeeper. I don't understand it. 11 outfielders has to be their future. Yeah, it's confusing. I think we spoke about it on last week's pod. He can't give up his worldview. He's stated so high that this is his guy. He, it's retreating from his entire worldview of football. He did play the long ball a little in this game that was interesting to try and defeat the Spurs... Uh, press, but once again, this this replay did not look great for Bravo. Once again, it was a hard thing to say, but you just want to see him occasionally get his fingertips do on a saves. ball and do uh, and do a save. Look, we both have a soft spot for Tottenham. I know I do. I think you do too. But this was hard to watch them go down that end and score that goal because I think oh, they were cruel. very very harshly done by after that. I mean, it was brutal. Challenge. This was football's version of the Game of Thrones battle between the Mountain and the Viper, with Raza Zobrin about to finish off Spurs Sir Gregor. At his mercy, only to slip at the last, have the tables turned in just stunning, deadly fashion. All that was left was a cameo by Jesus Navas. Now nah, he's the old god. Yeah. We've got a new one now, Who's David. the new one? 19-year-old Brazilian, Jesus, as Arlo says. Yeah. He must have been named after JW. Uh-huh. Made a high-octane arrival, fizzing crosses, looping header. My favourite, the offside goal. All within like five seconds of coming on, these three things happened. Not bad for $36 million. A few things more painful than watching a player celebrate a goal when everyone else in the stadium knows it's been ruled offside. It's like football's equivalent of kick me written on a post-it note. But just brace yourself, everyone. There's going to be maybe a thousand, probably more, 
Jesus-inspired headlines to come when he does score, and he will score mm. in a way that Jesus Navas, the old god, never truly was able. We're going to mm. be bombarded with them, David. Is one Jesus and one Jesus? Jesus Navas, right, because he's Spanish, and Jesus because he's Brazilian. Do they pronounce the J's pretty, in Portuguese? Pretty easy to tell the two apart. Yeah. One is good at football. Yeah. One never completes a pass, and the other one the other celebrates, got, the celebrates other, goals that have been disallowed. The other, That's the way that you tell them the other apart. One, one's very good at football, the other's got beautiful eyes. Yeah, beautiful there you go, eyes. there you go, Rog. Another moral victory for Manchester yep. City, David. Mm. You've got to say it was an excellent result. I mean, Spurs, let's remind ourselves, a weak performance, but they have been playing turbo football of late. They looked ordinary in this game. How do you sum it up from a Pep Guardiola perspective? Because for him right now, moral victory is not really enough. Uh, I think he should be inordinately frustrated. Uh, and he looks very frustrated, Rog. There's a sliver of difference between uh, these six teams at the top, Rog. And uh, Man City look every bit as good as every team they play against until they somehow get pinned back or they somehow get three scored against them. And this is a game where you just can look at a couple of moments, the Carl Walker moment. He's playing literally with 10 men. In fact, he's got a goalkeeper who just can't handle at a Premier League level. And you just think, they could easily be top of the league. But they're not. And the fascinating nature of the experiment right now is that this fifth new terrain for Pep, I mean, he has never overseen a good team. He's always overseen great teams. He's never been mortal. He's always been godlike. And that is the nature of this, quote, crisis, as it's been seen in England. It's a crisis of being in the chasing pack. Rather, I mean, I'd love Everton to be in the chasing pack. Manchester City are in the chasing pack rather than lapping the field. This team are good. They're not yet great. And that is the fascinating, complex reality, the hex almost, that Pep finds himself in. His team, however, when you look at what's coming, David, West Ham, Swansea, Bournemouth, Sunderland and Stoke, win those games, going to be a lot less talk about whether his players are poor or whether, quote, amidst unreal expectations as he did before the game, he had to muse in front of the English press pack whether he is, quote, not good enough for them. I'm just trying to imagine what the City players, what's going through their mind as they're watching that extended opening scene of La La Land. You know, the dance scene on the, on the freeway overpass. Yep. I just can't imagine what they were thinking. You know, not their kind of movie. No, it wasn't like, Keanu. Looks like a party at KDB's house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Spurs walk away intact from a performance that was way off their best. But to, I think to emerge from a point after going 2-0 down, David, mm. and also losing Alderweire, 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 Alderweire to injury, David. Yeah. It's got to feel like a positive yeah. for long-time Spurs fans who know their team just didn't have this kind of capability, this kind of resilience in their golf pack in the pre-Pochettino years. Yeah. They now find themselves equaling their highest points tally after 22 matches. Yeah, I think the worry for Spurs fans, and I uh, spoke to a few of my mates this weekend, uh, it's for Tongan, it's Alderweirevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevevev
that's yeah, good. Starting line that's what Spurs need. Uh, okay, Rod, talking of willing to kill people to... <laughs> Don't uh, just push them. Kill them. To, to, to win. Just give them a shove Chelsea in the back. Two. Kill him. Hull City nil. Diego Costa returns to the team and scores the winner against a scrappy Tigers side. Gary Cahill sealed the points with a second goal nine minutes from time. Chelsea now eight points clear at the top. Oh, Chelsea victory, which shocked almost no one. Mm. I, didn't, I remember watching Hull kick off the 2013 season, Jose Mourinho's return to the club. I think it was his first game. And before the game in the tunnel cam, the camera caught Steve Bruce joking with Mourinho before kickoff saying, hey, don't beat us too badly. And that's what I think about whenever Hull played Chelsea Football Club, David. But in this game... Hull made a bit of a fist of it. Yeah, I mean, it they were dogged, 6-4-0 formation, mm. closing Chelsea down. But then in the 52nd minute of the first half, and yes, 52nd minute, nine minutes added on after a horrific head injury uh, suffered by Hull midfielder Ryan Mason. Who Terrible. And went surgery, fractured skull, reportedly doing a lot better, and we wish him and his family, who are no doubt traumatised, um, by the injury, we wish him Godspeed and a full and fast recovery. But who was it who scored 52nd minute? It had to be Diego, right? Who else? Diego Costa. Uh, great finish um, once again from long range for <sighs> Diego. We were outside. Uh, we, were, we were more than two yards away from goal at this point. Thank God wonderful. his back's feeling better, David. Yeah, I know. I know. Who knows? What is the truth in this situation? Who knows, Rod? Well, there is no truth in football. I'm sure the media have no we, idea We've got whatsoever. to talk about it. When it, that goal went in, I've got to say, outside of the Chelsea bubble, mm. to me it felt like Kellyanne Conway had just scored. <laughs> Kellyanne Costa. But the way that he celebrated by walking towards the, the fans, closing his fingers and thumbs together quickly, totally unclear whether that was the talking gesture yeah. or it was his sign of chopsticks, come and get me China motion. A word on him, because I do want to talk about what you think about what went on. But 52 goals in just 100 appearances for Chelsea. I mean, he is to, to scoring what Dennis Rodman was to rebounding. Someone you despise unless he's on your team, in which case you revere him. And JW interviewed Graham Lasso this week for a piece or run in this week's Men in Blazers newsletter, The Raven. You can subscribe to it uh, off our website. But Graham talked about how you could tell from the way the Chelsea players celebrated on mass with Costa, that they still love him, which suggests that there was an issue, but somehow it's been reconciled. Well, look, number one, can I reject your Kellyanne Conway uh, analogy? On an, on, I could reject it on a number of bases. Let me just reject it on the number one thing. Think what you like about Diego Costa. He is incredibly good at his primary job, which involves no alternative facts. It's just about the facts. A more than 50% rate in the Premier League for Chelsea of goal scoring, more than 50 goals and 100 appearances. That is an amazing, amazing ability with all the pressure on him. By the way, and in one of those seasons, he's had a terrible season for Chelsea Football Club, a pretty terrible season for him. So his goal scoring record is absolutely amazing. Wayne Rooney uh, spoke to the football writers uh, in Britain this week. And one of the things he said is that there has to, and he spoke without notes and spoke very, very eloquently by all accounts. I was hoping he'd read one of his poems. <laughs> and he met, maybe he did. That was not reported. <laughs> uh, and he said that there is a huge gap between the media and the players that needs to be bridged. I think a lot of people think this. And all of that to say, very little that you read in the English press about what's going on at football clubs is based on real deep knowledge and trust that comes from sources who are actually the players. So sometimes the agents are 
are sending information, which has its own reasons for being true or untrue. Information or misinformation. Clubs, clubs are sending stuff. But the players very, very rarely get trust the media enough in order to go and get their side of the story out there. So my sense of this whole thing is that the media are scrambling for a true explanation of everything. The club are going to send their misinformation. <sighs> that, oh, there's no formal offer. It's a back injury. It's all those kind it's of things. It's all Jake Tapper's fault. By the way, how much does Antonio Conte actually know about what's going on behind the scenes? Only what he reads in the papers. Yeah, or only what the forces at Chelsea decide to go and sell him. The manager does not have a particular I amount of control that of Antonio Conte waking up and just watching Morning Joe. Well... <laughs> And then just responding on his Twitter I know, feed. I don't know what it is, Rog, but he's a... Morning, he probably doesn't know everything that's going on behind the scenes of the players. It's not the way Chelsea operates. Um, so who knows what the truth is? I doubt that either the reports that this was all about uh, an offer from China or Chelsea's side of the story, which is, oh, and it's a back injury and nothing's going on. I imagine that the truth is somewhere between the two and there's probably involves other issues that are going on. This has not been a straight-line relationship between Diego Costa and the club ever since he arrived. He is not an uncomplicated human being, uh, by all accounts. This season, Costa and Conte have had some issues yep. that have required some fairly you know, aggressive man management, including sanctions, including dropping him, including, you know, him, the player yelling at the coach when he's trying to, when he's not taking him off or when he is substituting him, all of the complications. So who knows? The Nobody only, knows the The only thing much. we know for sure is that Putin is somehow deeply, deeply involved. Which means Donald Trump and maybe Kellyanne Conway are involved <laughs> too, Rog. Fingers in every pie. Yeah. Oh, second half. Which then. are the alternative facts of football. Se- <laughs> second <laughs> half. Closer than it should have been. Yeah. Same weekend as fellow relegation dwellers Burnley, Swansea showed some fight. Hull did likewise. Yeah, Hull with that, some of their best players. Should have had a penalty. Yeah. Alonso fouled Hernandez in the area. Mm. And then Fabregas came on and just shut the game down, changing the balance of play. What a plan B to have, to have Fabregas to bring on as a substitute um, and deliver that ball that uh, that goes to Cahill for him to go and score. And so Hull left Stanford Bridge pointless. They yeah. now face United, Liverpool, Arsenal, back to back to back. Relegate me now. Chelsea, David, eight points ahead of the pack. Next two Premier Leagues, though. Liverpool and Arsenal lying ahead like a pair of obstacles that Dora the Explorer's got to overcome. The next two weeks, massive. You know, these Liverpool games, Arsenal games loom large. I imagine not only for Liverpool and Arsenal, but for the entire chasing peloton uh, and for the neutral out there. There is a... uh, a lot vested in uh, hoping that Liverpool and Arsenal peg back Chelsea. Oh, as Diego Costa knows better than most, swiper no swiping. One of the chasing peloton, Rog. In fact, the team in the lead of the chasing peloton, Arsenal, they beat Burnley 2-1, <laughs> a game that begged the question, is there such a thing as too much narrative? Ten-man Arsenal carried a 1-0 lead into injury time when referee John Moss made his bold claim to be this week's People magazine's most buzzed-about referee of the weekend, awarding both teams <laughs> a penalty kick. An Arsene Wenger meltdown, unbefitting of someone who's graced the pages of L'Equipe Sport and Style, only added to the drama. The game ended 2-1 to Arsenal. They're up second, eight points off Chelsea. What a ridiculous game oh, this bonkers. turned into. It's totally bonkers. Final seconds were like an NBA playoff game, yeah. just frantically trading buckets as the yeah. clock winds down. Mm. Shouldn't have been this way. I mean, Arsenal, 70% possession, 24 shots, but they didn't score until the 59th minute off a routine corner. Oh, Mustafi. It looks a lot like Olivier Giroud without makeup and all the work that he's had done on those beautiful Carl Martino-esque cheekbones. That was a great header, a very un-Arsenal-like goal. Narrow angle. First Arsenal goal for him. Mm. Out of nowhere... 
Arsenal's self-sabotaging muscle memory just kicked in. Granny Xhaka, what was he thinking? Yeah, he gets sent off for a... You know, I'm sure a lot of Arsenal fans were getting very upset about that. I, those same Arsenal fans would be calling for any opposing player to get sent off making the same challenge. It was two-footed. It was off the ground. He left his feet. You're going to get... And your granite Xhaka. You're going to get sent yeah. off for that one. I mean, it was soft. It was borderline. But we know one thing about John Moss. He just loves sending off Swiss Albanians. Yeah, of course. Second time this season that Xhaka's been sent off by Mike Dean's apprentice. But this was a crazy decision when you look at it by Xhaka. I mean, his yep. team were controlling the game. They're 1-0 up. He's now got a four-game ban, which is going to hurt all the more. He's been sent off seven times in the last two years. That's the stat that kills me. He's simply not wired correctly. And Arsenal were made to pay. 93rd minute, Coquelin catches Ashley Barnes across the shins. Andre Gray ties the game from the spot. It suddenly looks like Arsenal, so bloody spursy. And poor Arsene Wenger on the sideline. He couldn't contain himself, David. He couldn't contain himself. I'm not quite sure what he was so upset about. And I'm sure he claimed not to have seen the incident after the game. Um, but, you know, Cockland, I mean, you said he, you know, there was some contact. He, he kicked him in the knee pretty, pretty hard. Uh, it's a stone-cold penalty. I don't think anybody can say it wasn't a penalty. Um, Arsene goes insane. He's Mourinho-like on the side, Rog. Actually, this was we've not seen Mourinho push an assistant referee, I don't believe. <sighs> if you've not seen it, it was the second most replayed punch of the weekend after the one that fell Richard Spencer. And it is fascinating because if Jose did this, there would have been outrage, Dave. Yeah. But somehow Wenger is like the eccentric widower great-uncle Arson at this point. And anything that he does is, kind of char- is seen as charming and harmless. Yeah, it's not. I mean, look, Wenger gets as upset about referees' decisions. He behaves on the sideline. He's never seen a, a correct penalty called against <laughs> his side. He's never seen a goal that his uh, side has, has scored offside. He, it's the same playbook as everybody else, but he's been a manager for a long time. He has earned a lot of respect for the way he plays football. Yeah. But ultimately, he pushed an assistant. He reminds me of like if you're in, a, in Normandy or Brittany in the 1970s in a small village and you're walking through the town centre and you see an old man, an old tall man, who's walking around with a shirt and a jacket on, but no pants or underpants. Yeah. And you're like looking Let at this, go. what is going on? And they're just like, oh, that is just the widow of Wenger. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's all so cute. But if Jose did it, David, what would we be saying? We'd be talking about that and nothing else, right? Yeah, no, you're very, very right. Lucky for Arsene, as he watches from the tunnel, because he wasn't even properly banned to the stands. Um, he, uh, his team go down the other end. and Flailingly, though, desperately, Dave. Desperately. themselves down the other end. From a set piece, Ben Mee uh, just goes all high-booted against uh, Koscielny. Which is incredibly hard to do, because Lauren Koscielny has got the thinnest face in yeah. world football. To be able to kick him in the face, it takes an incredible amount of clinicality. I'm not Most sure. people would whiff. I'm not sure that he really kicked him in the face. I think there was maybe a glance. Koscielny sold it really, really well, even though I think he'd been offside at the point that he was even uh, going for the ball. Anyway, Arsenal, of course, they step up. Uh, they <sighs> get Alexis, the win. Alexis, cold, ice cold. God, impudent with that penalty under intense pressure. I yeah. mean, just to deliver a change-up chip to win the game, not just win the game, but keep... Arsenal's faint hopes of a title chase alive. 16 games to play, 48 points now, still up for grabs to chip the ball like that, Davo. 15th goal of the season for him. All I can think about for Alexis, he did it for his doggies. Yeah. He did it for his doggies. Arsenal fan group, red action, had unveiled a rather desperate yet charming Alexis banner. Have you seen it? 
No, I didn't see it. It pictures the Chilean with his two beloved Labradors either side of him. And it just says, good boys. That's the logo. Good wow. boys. Two dogs and one elite world-class striker. Good boys. Sanchez must have loved it, Dave, um, because, God, that was absolutely remarkable. The penalty of a natural-born assassin, although it did come in the week that he delivered the most heartbreaking and perhaps most arsenal thing I've ever read from a footballer pre-game. He wrote on his Instagram. Yeah, he did, Rod. Strong people smile with a broken heart. They cry with the doors closed and fight battles that no one knows. He's writing about Diego pretty clearly there. <sighs> Sounds like a Chilean Morrissey, David. Yeah, very, very, very much so. <sighs> they, you know, you've said a lot on teams you hate, there's always a player you love. I love Alexis. If Arsenal had a team of Alexises, I'm not just saying skill, I think in mentality... Uh, they would be winning the Premier League year after year after year. I'm what more a team per Murtasaka. But talking about crying, poor Burnley. One of the good ones. To make it all even crueler, David, yeah. back in October, Arsenal beat Burnley 1-0 in the most heartbreaking fashion we thought then with Laurent Koscielny, 94th minute goal that was both yeah. offside and punched across with his elbow. Oh, they have taken it from Arsenal this season. But Arsenal, look at it from their POV, 10 men, collapsing at the last and then finding the tenacity to find a way to win. Beating not just Burnley, but really triumphing over their own recent history of mental frailty, Dave, it was remarkable. Yeah, that is the hopeful thing for Arsenal. This was an un arsenally like victory, um, including the manner of both goals, Rog. We'll see how uh, the Premier League charges against Arsene Wenger um, affect the team, whether or not he'll get any it's kind of... It's just the crazy band. Wenger. It's, it's just yeah, the it's crazy just the old man not trousers. Um, but impressive for Arsenal. Obviously, huge looming game uh, against Chelsea. And realistically, they need to beat them to put doubt in uh, Chelsea's and Antonio Conte's mind. Rog. Okay, another amazing game. Ridiculous game, really. Liverpool 2, Swansea 3. A game that pitted the league's most potent offence against its worst defence. Ended up as a betting slip buster. Paul Clement's team changed the narratives. Went up 2-0 thanks to a pair of early second half Fernando Llorente goals. Only to watch Liverpool storm back. Narrative back on. 55th and 69th minute goals from Roberto <laughs> Firmino. Tied the game at two. But with Jurgen Klopp's men coiled for a third. It was that well-kempt Viking Giffy Sigurdsson changed the narrative once again who struck for the Swans to seal all three points and lift them out of the relegation zone. After losing their first game at home in nearly a year... Liverpool slipped to fourth. They're now 10 points behind Chelsea, Rog. One of the best crap games of the season, this one, David. Yeah. I mean, before the game, Jurgen Klopp had said of Paul Clement that he'd never seen anyone make such an improvement in such a short time. Yeah. And when he said it, it seemed like a subtweet diss of Bob Bradley. Yeah. Because Clement's only league game had been the 4-0 implosion against Arsenal. Yeah. But it turned out it wasn't Klopp flattering to deceive. Yeah. He'd seen something that came to be true because Paul Clement has made a massive difference to this season. When you inherit a relegation-bound team. What do you need? You lock down the back. And in this game, Swansea's pragmatic, back-to-basics, defensive organisation and shape. Yeah. It was that of a team transformed. They conceded the flanks. They trusted Liverpool. Couldn't hurt them in the middle. And far from doing what was expected of them, which was Swansea coming in and soiling their pants, they just played with a resilience. Mm. I mean, Klopp's Liverpool didn't even get a shot on target in the first 45. Tough to figure out exactly what's going on with Liverpool, but that um, that sort of engine of enthusiasm, all those players moving around, playing between the lines, running circles all around each other, it seems to be a machine that moves really nicely but doesn't propel forward in any way. Just Suddenly doesn't create the chances. By the holiday yeah. period, they've never 
really recovered. And into the second half, Fernando Llorente scored twice. Liverpool's defence slapdash on both in the big Pamplona netted his seventh and eighth of the season. Crucial goals too, Davo, mm. like a Navarran Jermaine Defoe. Yeah. Liverpool needed the taste of their own blood in their mouths to come alive. Countered oh, through Brazilian Ross Geller, Roberto Firmino. Two great goals that suggested that Bobby Firmino has got Bob Bradley's back. God bless the union of Bob's, Davo. Mm. When it went 2-2, after Swansea had ceded their two-goal lead, what did narrative dictate should happen? Well, I was already uh, scrolling deep back in Carl Martino's Twitter, trying to find <laughs> the tweets that he sent out after uh, Paul Clement came in and lost his first two games, because I was going to tweet them back at Carl, just between us, just as a little bit of banter between uh, two men. Uh, Martino Bantz yeah, is the best Martino Bantz, Bantz. Uh, and then Gilfie Sigurdsson Rog Swansea out of nowhere uh, figure away they just Liverpool's defence switch oh off again oh my god unbelievable uh, goes in slots it home yeah and he wheels away happier than Arthur Blank Swansea three <laughs> shots in this game three goals three two up at Liverpool Oh, Premier League, you just never jumped the shot. But Liverpool, so clinical early in the season, just conjured nothing in response, even after they brought on Sturridge and Origi. They even threw Matip up top, Fellaini style, to go long ball, flaccid long ball. This was Liverpool, less akin to the Liverpool at the beginning of the season, the buccaneering Liverpool, more like the Arsene Wenger of the Rossicki, Nasri, Arshavin, Wilshire era, when they had so much possession, so much skill, but always over-elaborate, almost their own worst enemy, talented Smurfs who could never really find the finish. Bravo Swansea, though, mate. Yeah, no, beautiful. And bravo Paul Clement. And the way he's coming in to have this team play football, uh, per Jurgen Klopp's point, um, very unlike you know, the, the, the typical Sam Allardyce rescue, <sighs> which is like long ball, get it tight at the back, and we'll go and figure out. They are, they're going to play their way. They already have. They won, as Bob Bradley would say, on the road. Yeah. At Big Ben 96 tweeted us, Bob Bradley died to the others may live yeah very true but what has happened to Liverpool though David well look and this isn't entirely new the reason they're 10 points behind you can go back to the loss against Burnley the loss against Bournemouth this uh, the tie against Sunderland and this loss against Swansea that's yeah. the reason they're 10 points they're behind fantastic Chelsea. Fantastic against the big fantastic six. Fantastic against the Terrible big six. Terrible against the lower league teams. Yeah, when teams don't come at them, David, yeah. when they can't just counter-attack rapidly, yeah. the plan B is not there. And Jurgen Klopp admitted Monday that he and the players had a long inquisition post-match. He said they are, quote, not enjoying what they do. And their fans aren't either. They've woken up from dreaming of glory to return to familiar tropes of concern. Why have we not pulled in the talents we've been linked to? The Draxlers, the Polisics, the living, breathing, competent central defender who could have bolstered the options. And this is sad, I think, for any Liverpool fan, any neutral who doesn't support Everton. That title charge seems to be pulling up lame, David. Champions League qualification, their goal now. And I think there is also some issue that teams are adjusting to playing against Liverpool. And it's easier for them to come up with a game plan tough teams are doing the same thing against Chelsea but there's a massive sacrifice in that that you go and switch to three at the back late in the game it's very very hard it's why Chelsea are scoring so many second half goals this season one piece of positive Liverpool news Steven Gerrard announced he's going to be a youth coach at Liverpool's mm. football academy uh, fantastic to see a player of his caliber invest his energy so publicly in coaching youth it's all too rare in both England and the United States yeah here here that's fantastic for the club fantastic for the individual Okay, Rod, Stoke won. Man United 
One, Wayne Rooney notches his 250th Man United goal to surpass Sir Bobby Charlton as the club's all-time leading scorer. And it just so happened to be a 94th-minute belter that saved a point for Mourinho's men at Stoke. United stay sick, 14 points off Chelsea, but only four off the top four. On one level, this should be viewed as just an extremely disappointing result for Jose Mourinho's team. Every one of the big six teams has absolutely spanked Stoke this season. City and Spurs both smashed four goals against Mark Hughes' team in their own crib. And Jose Mourinho, I mean, the chance conversion rate in front of the goal right now, it currently ranks 16th in the league. Stoke went ahead on Altovic exchange passes with Peters, who banked the ball in off a despairing Juan Mata. Oh, Juan Mata own goals, Dave. They're the cutest. Oh, they're sad. And, and in this game, United just had so much of the ball. Little tempo in the final third. Martins in deep. Ryan Shawcrest totally smothered. Zlatan, and then on comes Rooney, Dave, 67th minute sub. To be put in full context, he was the second attacking substitution that Jose Mourinho made still after Marcus Rashford, but he still went on and became, it should be said, not just a historic goal scorer, but a scorer of crucial goals, as he has so often his 250th bailed out United in a way that he's done so often in the past. It was a beautiful piece of work. No, look, he's the second attacking substitute, you say, and yet he's the guy that comes on 94th minute, crucial free kick. He's the one that's going to go and take it. He's the guy who has the ability on the ball, frankly, to confuse the defence, confuse the goalkeeper at that point, that he can both put an amazing ball across to a header, but he was definitely trying to put it on target and a fantastic finish. Not many players in the Premier League can score that goal. And it's a tribute to Rooney that when he scored the history maker, yeah. all he wanted to do was get that ball back out the net, kick off again and try and win the game. Yeah, that competitive true. fire, not diminished, even though his skill sets have. 250 goals, yeah. club leader at Manchester United. What do you make of the achievement? Look, I think it's become all too fashionable to uh, bash Wayne Rooney. Um, you know, whether it's Piers Morgan calling him Shrek on Twitter, whether it's um, the... Your various people in the media saying that he's always been overrated are telling you there are not many uh, people who've scored 250 goals for one club. It, forget about English football, anywhere in football. He joins a very, very exclusive list to surpass Sir Bobby Charlton at this club, at Manchester United. The biggest club in the Premier League. Yes, and one of the biggest clubs in the world. It's a phenomenal thing. You're right, he scores crucial goals. He's been in a... Whatever you think about his national team uh, record, he's been a phenomenal club player, a phenomenal uh, Premier League player, and I think it's such an achievement. He still loves the game, loves the game of football, Rog. I mean, watching the video tributes... Watching him as a jug-eared 18-year-old arriving at Old Trafford, watching the kind of goals he used to score over the course of his 13 years at the club. Long bombs, power runs, lacerating defenders. High, he, was, he was just such a high-speed tank over the first 10 yards. We forget how fast he used to be with his burst of speeds. Mm. I mean, he used to be what you call in baseball a five-tool stud. Yeah. Right now, it's just a reminder of in the twilight of his career how much of a strange, wounded creature he is. And despite the 250 goals, he doesn't seem as loved as he should be. There's so many icons at this United club. Bobby Charlton, George Best, Dennis Law, Cantona, Giggs. Rooney seems strangely unloved in comparison. Yeah, well, I think in modern media, it's very hard. And just, I think that, look at these incredible Premier League players of the last, you know, few years. Those who've made all these appearances, those who've scored all these goals. And you could say Steven Gerrard, you can say Frank Lampard, you can say Wayne Rooney. And I think the fact is that fandom and the media coverage of 
of football is so partisan at this point that I think you could make an argument that all three of those men end up not getting their credit because the media doesn't defend them enough and sort of separate them from everybody else and opposing fans will never give them any credit. And so, um, but it is phenomenal when you step away from it and you look at that. For me, two threats to leave the club are long remembered by United fans. They have not forgotten that. And also, I mean, there's a sub point, which is his goal since 200 have really slowed. He's become Mm. shabby. He's become a lesser figure in the kind of twilight of his career, like a Reno Nevada lounge singer that just Mm. is reminiscing about faded glory. But you can't argue with his 250 goals, 546 appearances, three hair transplants. (laughs) Two of those numbers are club records. Okay, Rog, Middlesbrough one, West Ham three. Andy Carroll follows up last week's overhead kick with two more crucial goals. The win lifts a Dimitri Payet-less West Ham into 10th. Borough now just four points clear of the drop zone. And West Ham players have delivered the ultimate snub to want away Payet. They've deleted him from the squad's WhatsApp account. No, you're kidding me. They snubbed him from a player's night out, David. Wow. Full on Regina George. And Andy Carroll, Roger, just scoring goal after goal after goal. Watch out, London. In other games, Bournemouth 2, Watford 2. Eddie House Cherry's come back from a goal down twice to salvage a point against the Orns on the south coast. Bournemouth in 12th, Watford in 14th. Southampton 3, Leicester 0. Another bad week for the port industry as international spokesperson Jamie Vardy's side is on the wrong end of a three-goal hiding at St Mary's. Goals from James Ward-Prowse, Jay Rodriguez and Dusan Tadic leave the Foxes just five points from the bottom three. Does this mean that when you win the league, Rog, you then go and have your worst season of all time? That's the new route, that's the mean? new that's the new reality happening oh. to Chelsea happening to Leicester. I don't, what I do know is Leicester. I don't think I want to win the league this year. Leicester have just scrubbed together twenty-one points from twenty-two games, joint worst return for a reigning champion in top-flight history. I mean, now teams have figured out how to snuff out Vardy, and they're unafraid of being stung. The pressure they put on Leicester's backline it just makes it buckle. They've conceded more goals already than they did in the whole of last season. What on earth did they put in the punch at Jamie Vardy's party there? I don't know. West Morgan's know. never recovered. We didn't ask Christian Fuchs that question when he came in. West Brom 2, Sunderland 0. Two tidy strikes, one from Darren Fletcher and the other from Chris Brunt. Lift Tony Poulos's men over the Black Cats. With Swansea's win, David Moy's side are now dead last in the Premier and League. And West Brom, I, I, West Brom, by the way, doing unbelievably. I did love Moyes' proclamation this week. New signings won't make a difference. <laughs> what a master of inspirational rallying war cries you know, that yeah. man is. i got to say, whatever the Scottish version of American Carnage is, David yeah. Moyes is it. Yeah, new signings won't make a difference. I love it. We're all doomed. We're all doomed. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> dies. Crystal Palace nil. It's how you die. Oh, like talking, a man. Talking of death. Crystal Palace nil, Everton oh. won. An 87th minute Seamus Coleman goal lifts Ronaldo oh. Koeman over... Fellow bulbous head, Big Sam at Selhurst Park. Palace slip into the relegation (laughs) zone, but Everton move within nine points of Liverpool and the top four. Rochelio. The swollen cranium derby. Yeah. Oh, it would have been the Everton way to destroy Man City, then just fall over the banana skin that is Crystal Palace, but not Ronaldo Koeman's Everton. Mm. First time the club have won three straight since 2014. Palace sat deep, <laughs> took until the 87th minute. What are you laughing at? Because we celebrate anything when you're Everton, Rog. Oh, mate, you've got to dance at every bar mitzvah <laughs> wedding you're invited. Ultimately, life's just savage, nasty, yeah. brutish and short, mate. You won three in a row for the first time, time in, two year, in two years. Yeah, mate, I've got to tell you. <laughs> I've got to spare them by <gasps> Oh, It took until the 87th minute to break down Palace. Yeah. But where there's Tom Davis, there's hope. 
and the yeah. golden vision. Incredible statistic for him. Mm-hmm. Tom Davis, 458 minutes of football. In that time, Everton has scored 13 goals and conceded zero. He does it all. We should just play him. Yeah. He found Seamus Coleman, such an Everton player, through and through. Born again under Koeman after losing his way last season. Thundered that ball home. Most pleasing to me, another clean sheet for Jordan Robles. But big Sam Davey. Mm. He whose favourite drink is, and I crap you not, a pint of white wine. Wouldn't a pint of white wine just basically be a bottle of white wine? But the thing I love about it, yeah. the pint of white wine, it's so thoughtful. Ultimately, with a pint of white wine, all he's doing is thinking about the poor serving staff and thinking, you know, I'm not going to bother you having to come and like keep working. Yeah. Just give me a pint. I'll make it last. Probably what about is a bottle of minutes. wine? 375 mils or something. Yeah. That can't be much more than a pint, Rog. What, a bottle? Yeah. Yeah, but I love it. He it's just takes a bottle, pours it into one of those traditional English pint glasses. Yeah. Like the big... F- he, he wouldn't be one of these. I don't want to trouble you, love. Just He'd be fill, one of the fat ones pint. with a handle. Yeah. He'd like one of those, I imagine. Yeah, but you know what I love about it also? It's Big Sam. Just mm. symbolised sophisticated yeah. crassness. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Pint. White wine, please. White, white wine, sophisticated. White wine. In a pint, pint. glass. Oh, he remains winless. Make that a pint, love. Whatever he's drinking, mm. it's not working. Or he's not drinking enough because he remains winless at Palace. No new manager bounce for him. Mm-hmm. Into the drop zone. He's looking a little lost, a little disinterested. Almost as if the loss of his England dream job has done long-term damage to that man. Yeah. I looked at their remaining fixtures. They need to they, drink from bigger vessels than there's the pint glass. I looked at their remaining fixtures. They do have time. a very large balance of home games against the bottom six, seven teams mm-hmm. in the league, Rog. So yeah. there's hope. There's hope for Palace uh, right now, Rog. Okay. I need a Jeroboam. <laughs> Jeroboam. <laughs> a Jeroboam of wine, please. A magnum. A tricky Don't week. Don't give me in a glass. Togger. Just pour it right Rog, into my with gullet. The men in Blazers League. Oh High God. score. A little lower than we've seen in weeks past. The winner, B. Kimmet 3, tallied 212 points despite starting Sadio Mane to earn a patch. <laughs> oh my a reminder. God. Trolling. This is a weekly game. You can sign up today and be eligible to win sign a patch. Sign up now and Next get involved. Week, just download the Tiger app on your phone to get started. And just a hint, start Tom Davis. <laughs> Golden you. Vision. Can you interview him? And when you interview him, just steal a little lock of his hair. Because I want to do a DNA test and see how distantly related Tom Davis and Davo are to each other. You've got similar hair, mate. <laughs> yeah. Similar, similar Alternative hair. Alternative facts, Rog. Okay, with the US men's national team on the precipice of their first games under new slash old coach Bruce Arena. The team really coming together. Well, no, not so much. A little bit of controversy surrounding oh. two of the team's talisman stemming from comments Tim Howard made to USA Today last week. The Colorado goalkeeper was quoted as saying, Jurgen Klinsmann had a project to unearth talent around the world that had American roots. But having American roots doesn't mean you are passionate about playing for that country. Jermaine Jones called Howard's comments dangerous stuff when speaking to ESPN FC's Doug McIntyre. Howard later clarified his comments, saying he wasn't speaking exclusively about dual national players. Okay, I'm just looking at his quote, the alternative facts. Yeah. He added that Jones has been a rock for the national team. Yeah, I think this is just Timmy positioning himself for the under ticket on the Abbey Wombat 2020 presidential run, David. I mean, Abbey Wombat said something similar, which also cut against the kind of give me your tired, you poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free, Emma Lazarus, nature of America and a national team. But unlike Abbey, Tim seems to have forgotten that he's actually still active. He's going to have to play again with a clearly pissed off Jermaine Jones, John Brooks, Fabian, the rest. To me, 
It's all a legacy, this issue of the early 2000s US soccer, where we overachieved through team collectivity and heart and just giving our all. And the conversation should really have changed if the team was playing to its full potential right now. Can it, it's not a conversation you have really in modern football. Uh, and if we weren't in the hex predicament, if the team was fulfilling its, right, its potential right now, or as at Kilbrew 3 said, if the team was making America qualify again, uh, we wouldn't still be kind of harping back to these old tropes of American soccer. Also, does it really matter, Rod? Do people on a team really have to like each other? Does it matter that the team disagrees with each other? It's a... I don't think it makes a huge difference. And we've talked a lot about various teams and the the conflicts between North and South or the conflicts between those playing at big clubs, those playing at small clubs. You know, teams have to come together under a manager. And I think the Bruce Arena, a new manager, this is still a period when we should have a lot of hope about how these guys are going to go, whatever um, the media reports, whatever silly things that soccer players say. Although having said that, our ability to play for the US national team depends on Jermaine Jones' thesis holding out. Yeah, yeah, and Still and a few other it. factors like citizenship and uh, and age and skill that's would be just, the other that three. That just eliminates you, mate. I'm Ability. Still, still available. Really? Yep. Yeah, you're not that good at paperwork. Okay, Roger, in more upbeat news, CONCACAF is reportedly considering replacing the Gold Cup oh. with a Pan-American tournament that would be played every four years. Isn't that the anniversario that we just had? <laughs> Bloomberg's Tariq Panja reports we could see North and South American teams squaring off in such a competition as soon as 2020 or as soon as 2016, which we just saw with the Copa Aniversario. I think it takes another four years for them to back up the enormous truck of money to the Commonwealth Federation. I love this idea. Of course, it's a great idea. It's what we need for US soccer to go next level. Test our players against the best in the world on a regular basis. Have a tournament that will no doubt be in the US often for the love of money-making reasons. Grow the sports audience here. It's a double win. Talking about winning, congratulations to Christian Pulisic, who extended his contract at Dortmund until 2020. Amazing to believe he's only going to be 22 then, Davey. Yeah. Great for him, where he can develop in the perfect surround at Dortmund, and great for the club. They retain a marketing chip that can grow their brand in America. Not even Bayern have that ability, I guess, dot, 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 yet. But on a sad note, at the other end of the age scale, the oldest U.S. international still alive, Gene Olaf, died age 96. I met him in 2013, traveled to his home. Fantastic bloke, grew up in the 1920s playing immigrant ball, when the ball was a cannonball and strikers could punch you in the face legally if you're a goalkeeper. He was a Hall of Fame goalkeeper, played right before the 1950 World Cup, was asked to join the squad, asked the police who employed him in New Jersey if he could have a month off, and the police said no. They didn't allow him to go to the World Cup. He never played for the US again, but he loved America. He had a pit bull, a terrifying pit bull, Davo, Mm. that he said was the most genteel dog he'd ever owned, which also terrified me. And he called that pit bull... Donovan, named it after London, loved watching MLS, loved to watch Portland, the fans. He said he couldn't believe that the game he loved as an immigrant in 1920s was so legitimate, passionate and obsessive and it had grown that much in America. Fantastic bloke, a hidden gem of US soccer history, proof of just how quickly it's growing and may Gene's memory live on. We're going to release a video this week that J-Dubs and Lexi are working on, which is really, really beautiful. Uh, I know it is uh, unfashionable and potentially illegal to say anything negative about Christian uh, Pulisic and about this deal uh, with Dortmund, but I would say selfishly, 
I would have loved to have seen him play in the Premier League. I would have really enjoyed that. And I think it could have, as great as the Bundesliga is, unfortunately, its profile in America will never have him playing his club football seen by enough people every single week. I would have loved to have seen him play in the Premier League. Anyway, congratulations. Great deal uh, for the young man. Your FA Cup international break weekend looks like this. No. Chelsea. I need Premier League football in my life. Chelsea hosts the Bees, Rog, at 10 a.m. Brentford. Uh, that's on Saturday. Sunday, you can see the real magic of the FA Cup as fifth-tier Sutton United and their vaping manager, Paul Doswell, take on the ghost of English football past. Leeds United, Rog, at Gander Green Lane. Capacity, 5,013. That game is at 9 a.m. It's followed by Man United versus Wigan. All of those games will be on Fox Sports 1. And at 4 p.m. Eastern Time Sunday on ESPN 2, it is the first game of the second Bruce Arena era as the oh, USA hosts oh, Serbia in a friendly in San Diego. Nobody knows why they call it that, Rog. <laughs> uh, there are many other ways to connect to us. One is through our Amazon Emporium, which helps keep the show going. Anytime you go on Amazon for items big or small, just click off the Emporium page. Many places gets a tiny percentage that allows us to cover the cost of creating the show. What are you going to put in the Emporium this week, Rog? A book. Oh. The Return, Find the Sons and the Land in Between by yeah. Hisham Matar. Uh-huh. Stunning memoir by a young Libyan novelist and activist yeah. telling the story of his father's kidnapping and disappearance in one of the Gaddafi regime's secret prisons and what the years of not knowing did to his family and the core of their identity as they suffered in exile. I read this book because I'm eager to learn more about human experiences in dictatorial regimes. And while reading it furthered my understanding, its real beauty lies in the personal nature of the writing. Mm. It's ultimately about the bonds that tie us to our beliefs, to our nations, and above all, for him, family. Mm. He begins the book by writing, to be a man is to be part of a chain of gratitude and remembering of blame and forgetting, of surrender and rebellion, until a son's gaze is made so wounded and keen that on looking back, he sees nothing but shadows. I've got a lot of shadows, Dave. You do. You do. Uh, I'm reading a book right now, Rog, which should be News Alert. (laughs) News Alert. Uh, Fantastic book about Churchill and his Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare, but I'm not putting it in the Amazon store because I've got something even better. You know I like chocolate, Rog. You'd love it. And I want to recommend, because I'm on it for multiple reasons, I'm on a diet right now, and uh, the chocolate I'm enjoying, it's a, well, I'm a, Devo is now a pescatarian, and (sighs) Devo is trying to cut down massively on, uh, on dairy and uh, and gluten. So this is the chocolate I'm eating, Rog. It's the Enjoy Life Rice Milk Boom Chock-a-Boom Boom. Uh, bars. They come in a pack of 24, Rog. I get through those in about a day and a half. Uh, they're 1.12 ounces. Cost $49.77 each for that. No, for the pack of 24. I do like, like them, Rog. They cost $49. I do like them. I keep them in our Guinness kegerator in the fridge in there because I like my gluten, nut, dairy, and boom, soy-free chocolate. My Boom Chock-a-Boom. I like it a little chilled. Rog, it's excellent, excellent stuff. That's what I'm putting in this week. You know what? The Premier League is going to be called as of next year. The Boom Chock-a-Boom Premier League. Almost. Yeah. It's going to be the Cadbury's Premier League. God, God, that tastes good. Suck it, Hershey's. I love Cadbury's. I'm a bit sad that Toblerone didn't get in there. Don't Hershey's own Cadbury's. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit sad that Toblerone didn't get in there. Yeah, really. Been, I like yeah, Toblerone. I, love Toblerone. I like those. I love very, it. very good. But now we're very pro Cadbury's, Rog. Oh, of course. Ronaldo Koeman will want to win that trophy now. No, I think it's, it's made the, of chocolate. Yeah. Uh, you must win it for I'm me. Talking of chocolate, Daddy, I, he's like Augustus Gloop. 
And uh, talking of chocolate, this is how you follow the men in blazers on the Cadbury's How to Get in Touch with Us Dairy Milk uh, Recommendations. Suck Twitter, it, Hershey's. At men in Blazer, but they might own them. At Men in Blazers, <laughs> at Embassy Davies, at Rog Bennett on Instagram, at Men in Blazers, at Embassy underscore I think, uh, I think, Davies. I think Boom Chocka Boom owns Hershey's. Don't yeah. <laughs> it's all very confusing. Oh, in fact, edit out the whole thing about Boom Chocka Boom. They may not be owned by Cadbury's. You can find us on Facebook and Men in Blazers. You can send your brave the crap out of Soho way, boom, you can always email us 30% made out of fish products at meninblazers at gmail.com it's good I'm a pescatarian I enjoy fish waste oh. visit meninblazers.com to sign up for our newsletter we have and a new awful, issue going out oh then I can't eat it going out this Friday it contains a fascinating piece from preeminent African football journalist Mark Gleason he's amazing about the Africa Cup of Nations its history and how the tournament differs culturally also from Copa made America and the Euros Vendapunk Rog War pig! Who wants to sex Matumbo? Explosion! Courage! Take that, Gloria! Is that in your analysis? Oh, I love tweed to tweed! Abrogado rock on, mate. Kung Fu fight in America. Oh. Hacksaw Ridge, love you, Rog. Oh, Diego Costa, hope you're back.